It is a joy to be with you today. Very grateful uh, to get to participate. And I do want to say a few things, however, on what Donnie just said. These are disclaimers since I've been around longer than he has. Number one, if my oldest son, Jaden, is here, uh, very, very good. So Jaden is actually the one that should be thanked for those 17 in and outs because that was him. Uh, He's 15 now, Uh, years ago. I also want to make a comment on the turkey bowl. Um, What I heard Donnie just say uh, was that if you're a middle-aged man like myself, uh, don't worry about throwing out your back. What I would say on the other side of that is that as a younger man, I chipped my femur in the turkey bowl. No, listen to the, Chrissy wants to to encourage you to do it. I'm encouraging you to perhaps be a bystander. You think I'm joking, the the left, I was not touched, there was no malice, there was no violence, but in a non, just unfortunate, I still do not have a a left quadricep muscle uh, over here because of the, of the chipping of the femur. And it's a, it's a true story, x-rays to to verify. So I just wanted to make sure I, we want to be balanced here, okay? Uh, So go, go do the turkey ball, participate uh, or do not. One more thing, I'm a hand talker. You're probably going to see this ring, so let me just go ahead and get that out of the way. I'm an Aggie, and so this, uh, wow, that's really good. I didn't know that. We're down this year, guys. (laughs) We are down this year as it it relates to football. So uh, the reason I wear this, I lost this for 20 years. Um, Christy and I have been married for 20 years. She was, uh, all the, my whole family, they were in Arkansas this summer. I was cleaning out the garage, as one does. And I found my Aggie ring that had been, we lost it on the night, uh, our rehearsal dinner. And so the reason I'm telling you that, this has significance less so because of uh, Aggieland, although I support Aggieland, more so because it's a reminder to me that lost things still get found. Or things that have been stolen get returned. I'm stewarding, trying to steward a word this uh, year in the grace of God out of the life of David, where he had a lot of stuff lost and stolen and it got returned to him. I have found that in these days, it can be hard to believe for a lot of different reasons where things that have been lost, that could be a family member uh, or things that have been stolen, that could be anything to be found or things to be restored. And so I just, at the, as we begin, and every time you get annoyed, maybe by seeing my ring, instead of getting annoyed, be encouraged to believe God afresh for things that have been lost or stolen um, in your life. Well, we're, we're bonded together today by many things. Let me bring one of those to our attention. One of the things that uh, bonds us all together is what, we, is what no one in the room wants. So follow me. No one in the room, I don't believe, I'm going to submit this to you, I don't believe anyone here, young or old, that you desire to get to the end of your days and look back and think, man, with the investments of my time, my energy, and my money, I am disappointed and I have massive regret. I don't think any of you last night dreamed about hopefully making the most, the minimum or the minimal impact that you could make with the breath that we just sang about that God has put in our lungs. We are bonded together that that's not anyone's dream. No, no one wants to make a, 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 a very small impact in the short life that we have to live. We do dream about, however, a life that does what? So I want you to pause there. 
We're gonna be doing interaction today, guys, and uh, whether you're okay with that or not, we're gonna do it. And you have the freedom to participate or to not participate. I would encourage you to participate. So first interaction is, what do you dream about the fruit? We're gonna be talking about the fruitful multiplication of our life today. What do you dream about that being? And I just want you to think, first thing that comes to your mind is this, turn to a neighbor and share it. Go ahead. The fruitful impact of my life that I desire is, boom. You say it to your neighbor. Just go, come on, just help, help me out here. I'm the guest. Be nice to the guest. All right. However you answered that question, I, I hope that you will think about that question because we generally just get in the flow and we keep doing life. And it is helpful to live with the God-given vision for our life. However you answered that question, God has put a, I want to remind us, God has put a deep desire in all of us to leave a deep and a lasting impact, even one that would outlive our physical lives. What this means is I'm living not just for my own, for me and mine, I'm living for another generation. And until, until the Lord returns, Lord, that you would permit me to invest my time, my money, and my energy in a fruitful way that multiplies. From the beginning, God has intended for fruitfulness and multiplication of our lives. And I know the context that that is partially speaking of childbearing and partially speaking of the way that we work. I'm just saying that throughout the scripture, we see a repetition of fruitful multiplication. And as we sang about this morning, it is the resurrection that makes that possible. What I also know is that the resurrection, the raising of Jesus from the dead, it is easy to say, okay, Jesus died, he was buried, he was raised, and therefore I have eternal life in heaven with him. And guess what? That is 100% true. If you do not believe that this morning, I wanna invite you into the life of God. And if you're here and you're like, man, I'm checking out Jesus or someone just kind of dragged me here. We are so, so glad that you are here. We're not going to make you do anything, but we, we do want to uh, just put, uh, elevate the person of Jesus in our midst this morning. So God has put a, this desire inside everyone in the room. He has also put a process for us to leave a deep and a lasting multiplied fruitful impact. And it's gonna be our key passage. I know that we're in John 20 uh, as a community as we're walking through the gospel of John, but I'm going John 12. Again, I'm the guest. I'm submitted uh, to our local leaders uh, here. So I'm doing resurrection. I'm just doing it in a broader context, praise God. So John 12, verse 24, Jesus speaking. Here's the process. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. So this is the process of life, of fruitful multiplication that God has put in the earth. It's going to go through the process that we see in Jesus's life, if we can bring up that slide 
So what we're going to talk about today is incarnation, crucifixion, burial, and resurrection. Praise God. Right there. Now, what I'm going to explain them briefly, and they're going to walk through them. What I want you to do is not just interact with them intellectually. I want you to think about your own life. I want you to think about the life of your community, the life of your family, and what season you may be in relative to this process. So Jesus, story of Jesus, life of Jesus, he is God, uh, fully God, fully man. He exists eternally. And then at the open, uh, opening of John chapter one, says that he became flesh, or that's what we mean, he was incarnated. And he dwelt among a community. So all of us, if we want to leave a multiplied uh, impact of fruitfulness in our lives, we, God puts us among a people. Now, that's, that, ha, that is awesome, and it is fraught uh, with uh, some, uh, some dangers. Because the thing about the incarnation is it requires a surrender to a lifestyle of vulnerability. And you, you, just, you should just say... Both, both, ah, and also, ah, it's because it's both, okay? And it, it is incorrect to say it's just one or it's just the other. It is 100% both all the time, baby. And so Jesus, Jesus, fully God, fully man, he submits to the Father and he submits to this process for his whole life. He surrendered to a lifestyle of vulnerability, making him vulnerable to things like betrayal, Things like rejection, gospel of John opens, Jesus comes to his own and his own did not receive him. Isaiah had prophesied the very, the very same thing about the Messiah, that he would come and he would be rejected, uh, he would be abandoned, and we praise God that, he, that Jesus, he, he made, himself made himself vulnerable to temptation. So as we work through the incarnation, that's what I want you thinking about, crucifixion. I'm not talking here about the physical death, okay? There was a one-time atoning death of Jesus, the Lamb of God, and no, no one can add to that. So I'm not talking about a physical death and doing some weird type of penance. I am talking about a lifestyle of repentance and choosing not, you know, we all have death that happens. You know, you have a death in a, in a family. Uh, you have a, a death to a dream. I'm, these types of things you don't really control. Today, what I'm talking about in crucifixion is a type of death to self that comes out of the conscious decision of your own will. Like Jesus in the garden saying, not my will, but yours be done. That was, it was a conscious decision of, to bow his will to the will of the Father. And if you want fruitful multiplication in your life, it does not come any other way. It carries a price tag. And the reason I wanna go through this is not to be like, it's heavy and life is horrible. And I, you know, it probably as I look at your life, lots of hopelessness. That's not what I mean. I, I, want, I want to look at it and say, man, there is an amazing future hope of glory for all of us. And there is a process biblically that does not feel good. We happen to live in a generation that says, do everything that feels good. And if it doesn't feel good, push, escape and get out now. And I'm saying, don't do that. <laughs> Hold them both in tension and look at the life of Jesus, worship him. And then when it's really hard and it's really painful, stay in the game. Don't like, hey, just uh, check out. Okay, so we're going to say, we're going to talk about that. And then we're going we're gonna to hit burial. Ooh. Burial 
is about patient waiting on God. Jesus, he was crucified. He died a real death. He's buried in a, in a real tomb. They roll a large stone. There's no human effort or strength that's going to move that stone from the inside. It's going, he entrusted Jesus. He entrusted himself to the Father the whole way through. He entrusted himself. We sang about uh, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It was God the Holy Spirit that actually raised Jesus from the dead. But there was that, there was that period of waiting. And for us, burial is really hard. It's really hard for us to stay dead. Uh, when, when we die to self, there's all sorts of stuff that, want, that wants us, that shouts at us uh, to accomplish our own salvation. And what I've found in my life, what I've found in people's lives is we're not really great at doing God's job. God is really great at doing God's job. And you're like, well, what's God's job? You look at his name. His name's, he, he has names like uh, savior. He has names like deliverer. When we try to be our own savior or the savior of another person, we cut off the grace of God in our life and in the lives of others because we have this false Messiah complex of, well, I'll just make it more palatable. I'll make it easier for them. And so you're canceling out the process of God. You want the resurrection in your life and someone else's life. You're gonna have to do a lot of patient waiting, holding of the hand, weeping and mourning and rejoicing with other people. But don't, do, don't make the mistake that I've made many times in my life where we see the cross at work in someone's life. Meaning Jesus invites, hey, follow me, by the way. Take up your cross and follow me. Oh, deny yourself also and follow me. And so when we see someone being brave and courageous and following Jesus as the scripture calls them to do, you resist that impulse to get in there and be their deliverer and be their savior. You be their champ, you be their encourager. You get in there and you, uh, you, how can I pray for you? How can I strengthen you? But don't try to save them because that's what God does. He is savior. Jesus is savior. He will deliver. The problem is we don't know when and how. And that is the trust God piece. So we'll talk a little bit about burial. And then Christy will come up and we will close by talking about resurrection. So we'll share a little bit about fruitful multiplication through our lives. That feels a little vulnerable before you. I don't know most of you. And so there's a, something inside me that's like, oh, they're going to think that I'm, you know, da, 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 da. And I have died to that. So praise God. Uh, come, 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 Lord, and give us, give us help today. So let's, let's jump in. Incarnation. So this surrender to a vulnerable lifestyle. Again, this is what Jesus did. When I, about 20 years ago, Christy and I got engaged. And a lady had come to World Mandate. Her name was Jackie Pullinger. And I was very taken uh, by her story. Uh, so much so uh, that when I finished AM, I wrote her a handwritten letter and said, I do not know anything that you're talking about, but I very much want to come and live in your uh, home. So she works, uh, continues to work in, uh, in Hong Kong among heroin addicts. And so I, they let me come. So here I go over, they call, the, they call these things new boy homes. And what I knew of her story is that she had a commitment to the incarnation. She had a commitment to living vulnerably uh, among a community that did not want her. <laughs> when she got there as a young 20-year-old, she was a music teacher. She went to want, arguably one of the hardest places at that time in the world. It was called the Walled City. 
It was run run by drug lords. They tried to push her back on the boat, in fact, said, go back uh, to England. You know, this is not gonna be the place for you. She said, no, God has called me here. It's gonna be okay. So she uh, rents a shop, a local storefront, and she starts, she teaches some music lessons. She used the skill that God had given her. I like that. And then she starts inviting the community in. She had enough money. She bought a ping pong table. And so youth start coming in. And uh, I'm sorry if this is uh, rough for you, but they, they took feces and they wiped uh, on, uh, on her wall and they would do things like that. There were open sewers uh, in the area anyway, and they were trying to communicate, we don't want you here and you are rejected. Jackie had a decision to make. Do I receive that rejection and peace out and go back home? And so, and she had to, she had to really grapple with God you know, think about this. I'm a, I'm a young 20-year-old single woman by myself in the walled city. This is not easy at all, and they don't want me here, and they're communicating that uh, in different ways. Well, the fruit of her life ends up being massive, fruitful multiplication, so much so that that walled city was torn down, and that place is now called a city of light. How does that happen? That's resurrection power at work. But it happened through some one person having a commitment, in this case, to a vulnerable lifestyle amongst a people. I wonder what God might do in and through your life if, the per, if whatever community that God calls you to serve rejects you on the front end, like they did with Jackie. Is that a sign from God? Or is that part of the process of God and how he works in communities. My argument from the scripture is that there's something that is at work in us when we experience that type of rejection to where we have to cling to God and then we come again and we come again and and it develops humility and meekness and lowliness of heart like we see in the person of Jesus. And it didn't, that that walled city did not become the city of light overnight. In fact, it took decades. It wasn't just Jackie, it was an army of people that were surrendered to this vulnerable lifestyle of the incarnation. That's one story in the earth. If we study church history, that's what we see. Men and women who are choosing a life, that's why I'm calling it a lifestyle and a surrender to that lifestyle because I know how we are and I know how I am. We, we, we hear something like, well, I'm gonna go out and I'll do that today and I'm gonna be vulnerable today, but I'm gonna put a demand, an entitled demand uh-oh, on God that if it doesn't happen by the end of the week, then we gotta move on down the road. And I'm saying, that's ridiculous. That's like being, um, I don't know, a spoiled brat. And I have that tendency probably more than anyone else in the room. So I'm primarily preaching to myself. Lord, give us mercy. Give us mercy to not put on the attitude of our culture, but to actually look to the person of Jesus. So let's be strengthened in that place. You know, in, in, in our life groups, let's strengthen one another to continue to live vulnerably, even amidst rejection, betrayal, temptation. Like this is, this is the real deal. Let's not whitewash it. Rejection is painful. <laughs> I hate it. Betrayal, super painful, especially I'm told for Enneagram 8. Is that right? Okay, good. Let the reader understand. Um, temptation is not 
is not a walk in the park. So let's strengthen one another in those places. So if we're gonna have a life of fruitful multiplication, we're gonna have a lifestyle that we commit uh, to vulnerability in the community where we've been placed. And then we get to uh, crucifixion. Oh man, man, man. So much to say about crucifixion. Let's make it short. They put a crown of thorns uh, on Jesus uh, before he was crucified. It was obviously a mock. Oh, you're a king? How, how do you like this king? And they pressed those thorns um, into his head. I don't think it was the most physically agonizing part of the crucifixion, but, it, but it, was, it was part. Now, if we look at the full counsel of scripture, we see in early in Genesis, after sin enters the world, sin doesn't enter the world until Genesis 3. We've got glory, beauty, order, beauty, and abundance. Genesis 1, Genesis 2, here, here comes sin. And one of the, one of the consequences of sin was thorns and thistles. For the fruit, the fruit of our labor does not produce as God intended it to produce. That's actually encouraging to me. When I do something and I try to fix something, which is usually a disaster, like around the house, like when I try to fix it. Uh, I don't know if you're like me and you can actually make things worse. It's really encouraging. I'm like, oh, it's thorns and thistles again, meaning futility. We live where our labor does not produce as God intended it to produce. So watch, thorns and thistles is introduced in the beginning of the Bible. People try to use that as a mock against King Jesus. He takes that mockery. He takes those thorns and thistles representing futility into a grave. And then, and then it's raised back up. Here's what I'm not saying. Hey, just believe in the resurrection and you'll have no problems in your labor. Uh, you know, you're just gonna have multiplied it. That's not what I'm meaning. What I am meaning, however, is, is that when in the dying of Jesus to a lifestyle of constant futility, we identify with him in his death and in his raising. Therefore, my hopeful expectation is that my labor is not gonna be dependent just upon my investment. Hello. Yeah. Meaning he is able to multiply my weak I mean, if we're really honest, I know we like to be like, oh yeah, we're so awesome. You are awesome, man. You're amazing in the grace of God. You're, you're the beautiful image of God, 100%. And let's be really honest. Our investments are small and they are weak when we look at all things. God takes small things and he takes weak things. He takes it through his process of incarnation. He takes it through his process of crucifixion. He asks us for our participation in that, that we would leave that thing buried until he's, until he's ready to raise that thing up. He takes that little weak thing, that little seed of faith. It's so small. It's really, I mean, can we be honest? It is so small and it is so weak. It's fragile, man. Remember, vulnerability. God is so powerful that he is able to take that super small and super weak seed of faith that's gonna die and he's able to raise that thing up. He's able to multiply that thing out. He's able to take those little fish and loaves and feed a multitude of people. That is how God works do not lose heart today. If you feel like my thing is like the smallest in the room, it may be. It is the glory of God 
to take these little small, weak, you know, Donnie was saying earlier, intercession. You might feel really weak as a person of prayer. Join the human family. That's all of us. And he takes our weak little words, he delights in them as a father. He has fatherly delight. It's like, man, I hear people saying, be in community and I'm trying to make a disciple and they don't show up. Welcome to the human family, people trying to follow Jesus. And I'm trying to teach them how to, how to do something and they're doing the opposite. That's going to happen too. <laughs> you keep going. You keep investing. And he takes these little bitty things, breathes the life of God on them. And then you, you'll turn around 10 and 20 years later and be like, what did you do? <laughs> you did what with what? That's, that's the type of thing that our God does. Now, that's, that's the good news side. Are we ready for a little hard news? Okay, let's, let's do a little hard news. There's a, there's a mechanism of death uh, that we're, we're going to walk through now. And this, uh, this process, let's go, let's go ahead and pull that process up. Mechanism, that's a good phrase. Mechanism of death. Yeah, there it is. And this is gold right here. Okay. So what we're going to do, I'm going to give you some uh, examples, and then we're going to do a practicum, is uh, we have uh, conviction, and that conviction can come through the Word of God, uh, the Spirit of God, or via another person. And then we're going to confess that conviction. We're going to count the cost and commit to self-death. Okay, so what does it look like if conviction comes through another person? You like that, right? Someone corrects you, they give you feedback uh, and, and input, and they voice a concern uh, with you. No? Uh, then become a pastor, and you can get it real quick. This is... I speak the truth. So uh, it also can come through a spouse. So can we talk about that? Very good. 20 years ago in my little young uh, marriage life, I remember sitting on my little couch and Chrissy come back and I had a, I was a veteran. I didn't have a lot of veteranness, but I had, I was a veteran uh, of, of judging people. It was a skill that I had really honed uh, for, for two decades, you with me? Like accu accusing people, judging them, finding the fatal flaw and really bringing it out and make sure they knew about it. And so I was using this honed skill towards my lovely wife. It grieves my heart uh, today, but I've had uh, inner healing prayer ministry. So Christy came in through the door and, you know, she was my target. And so, boom, I just, what, what do you do? Judge people. So I start judging her and judging her and judging her. Um, she, she wasn't having it that particular day. And so, and so she said, I need you to know I'm like done with you judging me. Yeah. And I was like, oh, <laughs> she's fighting back. <laughs> she's like, I am, I don't like it. Um, it's discouraging. Could you please stop? And so here's what I didn't have to do. I didn't have to go into my prayer closet and kneel down and wait, and wait on the Lord. Lord, am I being convicted? Should, should, I, is it, should I stop judging my wife? As is I, is I read the, is I, <laughs> I'm being ridiculous. As I'm, read, as, I'm read, as I'm looking to you, do I see you primarily judging people? Is that bringing about the righteous life that God desires? Okay, I'm, I'm being ridiculous. I didn't have to do that. Why? I was already convicted. <laughs> so if you have conviction that comes through another person, you don't have to like, ah, let's weigh this. Let's really, we want to be, okay, we want to be balanced. So we, 
like conviction comes through another person and they're like, quit treating me this way. That's a good sign that you can start dying to that, that very thing. This is what I'm talking about. Dying to things that are not of God. We call them sin. I was sinning against God and my wife. It was brought to my attention from her. I have another child in the room who will go unnamed and they have, and they have recently brought to my attention that they do not appreciate my sarcasm towards my wife and towards other members of the family. When I received that feedback and that input on a car drive, I had the decision to be offended at the child or to say, maybe God is speaking through my child. I chose and am still on a journey to say, I need to die to that. So those are a couple of mine. Those are both embarrassing to admit because of the recent nature of the second. You know, yours, 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 might, be, yours might be different. We're gonna, I'm going to give you one more if we can pull up the Romans 8, and I'm going to just walk you through and how this, it can ha- so this conviction unto death can come through another person, a spouse, a child, a friend. My boss has given me helpful feedback, uh, you know, that I get to practice. Can also come from simple daily Bible reading. I was, I was doing some Bible reading in a, in a past season, and I came across Romans 8. And it, it said this, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Now you read that and you're like, man, I'm set. I'm good. I, th- I think I can close the text there because God is for me. Hallelujah. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? I'm getting more encouraged. I'm like, <laughs> what's no problems here. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Thank you, Lord. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who's at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. There's a lot of good stuff in there. As I read through that text that particular day, I felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit say this to me, stop defending yourself. I I was like, God is for us. He was actually resisting that part of my life because he is my defender and I was trying to be God. He wanted to set me free unto fruitful multiplication of my life and this was hindering it and it was a complete blind spot to me. So I, so I had to say, okay, Lord, are, are you, Lord, is this you? <laughs> Do I need to change just from Bible reading? And the answer was yes, many, many places needed to change. So I had conviction. So let's put, let's put back up our, our process. So let's just walk it through. So I had conviction as I just read the Bible, the word of God. Then I needed to confess my conviction. So I told my wife, I'm convicted that I need to stop using my words to defend myself. I told my life group, I'm convicted. So I just got it out there. If you don't get it out there, we are really squirrely as people and we can just evade. That didn't really, was that God? And so you start just deception, 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 and it's gone. So man, the gift of God is a conviction of God. And you want to act on that one really quickly. So, but you want to do it by counting the cost with community and confessing concerns. And so I said, I am concerned that I've taken so much false comfort in defending myself with my words that I'm not going to know how to live. I was, a, I was a completely addicted to it. So I had to count the cost. What, what am I going to lose? Now, there's a lot to gain, but what am I going to, you know, I've got to, I need to count the cost is what Jesus said to do. And then I needed to commit to this self-death with community. Why? 
because I knew that a test would come. Listen to me. If you commit to death of the self, God is so good and so faithful, he will, he will allow you to be tested. And probably one of, so far in my life, one of the tests of my life was around this very thing. I'm not gonna tell you the full story, but it was a, it was a high pressure situation where there was an accusation coming from a person sitting right in front of me. And I had the evidence to refute the claim that was being made. And all it needed was a turning of the computer to show the email. And I, I, my impulse was to defend self. So here, and so in, impulsively, I, I could feel a movement towards that because of the goodness of the Holy Spirit. He was like, don't do it. And I was like, if I don't do it, I'm gonna look bad. <laughs> if I don't do it, there's gonna be an untruth coming directly at me. He said, don't do it. You know, I'm like, and, I, and something, something literally broke in me. And I start weeping, which is not common at that time. Weeping. And I, don't have, I can't defend myself. And so the person is just staring at me, who now is, came in with accusation. And I guarantee is now like, this guy is pathetic. <laughs> like I knew he was weak, but not that weak. <laughs> but something very real broke on the inside. And I had no words. All I, I, I couldn't, and I could not stop. <laughs> you know, talk about embarrassing. It's like, what's that? Just cried out. <laughs> I'm sure he was like, <laughs> got to get to a conclusion here. He then said, I think by revelation, wow, I'm treating you in a way that he had been treated. Meaning there was a vindication. I didn't save myself. I didn't know what to do. Something broke within me. And now it's just complete humiliation. But it, it made a way, sim, it sim, I did the easy thing. The easy thing was don't turn the computer. That's not hard. <laughs> Resist the impulse, not hard. The hard thing God does. Coming in and saving, coming in with the breakthrough, coming in, are you with me? Coming in to change the heart. What I'm trying to get you to do through storytelling is when you get in, if you go through this process, and then it's hard and you have a test of faith is to stay, duh, stay grounded in that place of death. Don't jump out of the deal and allow God to be God. Okay, so we've got uh, death. Uh, we, we need to talk about burial and then we're gonna have uh, Christy come up. So we've done vulnerability. We've done uh, death, uh, death to choose a conscious choice of the will. And then we have that letting that thing be buried. Christy, come on up. What I, what I find is, we can go through these processes, but when we don't discern and our spiritual per, uh, perception is what the Bible would call, like we have hardness of heart, let's say. By the way, the disciples' response to the resurrection, if you look at all four gospels, hardness of heart, doubt. Uh, Luke 24, slow of heart to believe all that the scriptures have said. So when, when you hear, if you, you encounter the resurrection and you're, you know, as Donnie said earlier, you're encountering Jesus and you're slow of heart to believe, or you have doubt in your heart, or you have hardness of heart, that's normal. <laughs> I love that about the scripture. Like it's, I'm not saying stay there. I'm saying it's okay if you are there and then trust God to bring transformation of the heart. We have, Christy and I have found that you go through these processes 
that burial may be one of the harder places to be because we have hardness of heart and we're not spiritually perceiving what God is doing when we do not observe things that we can touch, see, feel, taste, blah, blah, blah. Hello? It's called patient waiting. And we live in the opposite of that type of culture. Man, I celebrate. If, if today, if you're patiently waiting on God in a burial season, I just cheer you. I champion you on. Like, stay in that deal. In the process, keep looking to God. Don't look to self. Don't look like, keep, okay, I'm, I'm just confessing you as Lord. I'm confessing you as good father. I'm confessing you as king. I'm confessing that your ways are higher than my own. I do not need to know how, Lord, but I'm, I am trusting that you are like still for me in the place of my, I don't know what's happening. In the place of my, in that place of burial, that you are still with me. And you're the God of the resurrection. And whether I experience that resurrection now in my life, or if I die in faith, like people in Hebrews 11, and that, and that what I'm doing is going to accomplish something for future generations, I'm going to stay in that buried stage. Christy, help me so I don't just keep crying. So burial into resurrection. So we're talking about some, some testimonies. Yes. Yeah, so... Part of what we wanted to encourage um, with is just fruit of even this church, as um, Donnie said before, is we got sent out from Ann Ar- sent out to Ann Arbor from Antioch, Dallas. Sorry, my voice is like really hard today. Lots of talking. Um, yep. Yes. Um, and so this is fruit that we've seen that's y'all's fruit as well, because you, the, whenever you send someone out, you participate in that fruit. Um, but we moved to... Um, Ann Arbor, Michigan, to plant a church um, like nine years ago. And our goal was always to reach Ann Arbor in Detroit. That was kind of part of our, our 45 minutes away. And so we would, part of our sowing the seed and a lot of death to self is just sharing the gospel with people with really not a lot of um, Limit, multiplication. Li- thank you for that. Limited, uh, thank, the great honesty, uh, limited traction with people that were actually from Ann Arbor and Detroit. Not for lack of human effort. There was just a lot of sowing in those days and not a lot of reaping. And so it's cool because now we, um, last year we handed off the church to Michiganders. That's what they're called if you're in Michigan. Michiganders. Some local Michiganders, which was actually always our goal to have them be the ones that lead the church. And um, so for the, this, the one church in Ann Arbor, they just have, are starting to see the fruit of, like they baptized a local Ann Arbor yeah, so person. They ba- so they baptized a local a person from actual Ann Arbor uh, that, w- that lives and works in the city. They're, they are an Ann Arbor person. And, uh, you know, long process there of relationship over many years of multiple people investing through sharing of the gospel, of multiple people praying. And now it's the resurrection side. Now it's that, it's that joyful multiplication and increased side. And so on this side of it, we, I mean, we had zero to do with it other than we, were, we participated in the front end of that process. That joy is now our, ours, and we want that joy to be yours, like Christy stated, as you hear, okay, wow, like, I, I, we didn't know if there's, would anything actually happen? Well, through that process, God does raise the dead. 
And I think the other thing I want to say too about the death part is that something that will shortchange your process when you're in that season of what's it? What did you call it? Maybe crucifixion. Yeah, the crucifixion. Burial. The burial. The burial, burial part is comparison because I remember when we. Um, well, multiple times in my life, it's like I have wanted to see the immediate fruit. I mean, I think that's normal human nature is we're wanting to see what we're doing is fruitful. And I remember in that season of burial, um, especially when we were up in Michigan, of thinking like, why? I see these other churches and they have all these numbers so quickly and all this fruit. Like, what's wrong with us? And I think that's another way that the enemy can use, steal the seed um, that is planted because he's trying to get you to look at other people. And so I think part of the process is staying focused on what he's called you to and being okay in the waiting and not looking to the right or to the left. So Amen. I think that's what I wanted to say too. That's, that's great. So we're, we're almost finished. I'm about to invite the band back up. So we planted in Ann Arbor... Um, and also had a, a vision for Detroit, um, but had, again, had limited traction, not because there wasn't effort and, you know, trying. It's just there was limited traction. And so we, had, we, have, we have three churches in, in Michigan, we meaning all of us. We have three churches in Michigan. Uh, they're all fairly small churches. But like I said earlier, small and weak does not mean not real. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Small, they're different. I'm, I'm very acquainted with the different weaknesses in the different churches. But I also know that, they, it, that it's real. And so I'm like, praise God. What might God do with a small, weak investment? I mean, come on, guys. You know, the encouragement, every person in the room can make a small and a weak investment in a real way and trust God. So we had, we had a, a, the last thing we'll say is that we had a family that lived with us our last year um, in Michigan, and they are now leading on the, uh, on the urban Detroit side. Another family um, that uh, the guy lived with us and Christy invested in the, in the wife, they have gone with that team. And they, uh, recent, they're, they're in that early phase of laying down their lives, of trying to get involved with people's lives to love them and serve them. And so they had, had a simple prayer time and they went out to a laundromat and they were actually going to meet a different person and it fell through. Say fell through. Fell through. Sometimes when things fall through, it's an, it's an opportunity. And so they end up linking up with this other person and our friend that's, that's leading out, you know, he was participating, but he wanted it to be a, a team deal. And so they were able to, to share uh, the, uh, the, the person of Jesus uh, with this. And he was a prepared one. God had prepared him to respond to the gospel. He was able to uh, pray, uh, to receive Jesus in that moment, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and to, be, and to maintain connection uh, with our friends. Now, we had, again, zero to do with that other than a front-end investment walking through some of these same processes with our friends. The encouragement there is, don't give up as you invest in cities, as you invest in different people, because there's our, and I'll, I'll put you on the spot, I'll have Chrissy share in closing as the band, uh, if y'all want to come on back up, uh, our, the backside of our honeymoon verse. 
Yeah, I'm sure I shared it here every time. We, we should, it, it, it bears sharing yeah. every time. Galatians 6, Jordan had us memorize a verse on our honeymoon. I'm sure all of y'all did that Horrible, well. Hor- uh, pain um, upon pain. And it's God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what you sow. If you sow to the flesh, you reap destruction. But if you sow to the spirit, you reap eternal life. So do not grow weary in doing good for at the proper time, you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. And that's the case in this whole thing is you can't give up because you will, I mean, it's a promise from God. You're going to reap a harvest. And I think what I love about what Jordan is sharing too is that's kingdom mindset. The win is for everyone. Like we don't get, it's not about multiplication for our own self, but it's like that win, the win, the salvation is for us all. That's all our win. So when we look past this like small mindedness of like me multiplying my life, like no, it's a, it's for us all. We all want to multiply our lives so that we can all rejoice in what God's doing in our lives. Amen. So let's, let's stand and invite a few normally pray for folks. Come on up, life group leader, staff, etc. And the, the thing I want, I want to do what Chrissy just prayed. If you need, hey, I'm in, I'm in one of those places, just, just bless me. <laughs> like strength, strengthen me. Um, let's, let's transition with that prayer. That prayer, I'm just going to pray that Ephesians 3 prayer for strength on the inside uh, as we close our time together. Father, thank you for the gift of Jesus. Thank you for the gift of the resurrection. Thank you for the gift of the word of God. Thank you for the gift of all of these different phases and seasons of our lives. Now, would you help us in these, in these closing moments, not harden our heart, not be distracted, uh, but on whatever you yourself are wanting to do in our heart in these moments, recognizing that fruitful multiplication is possible in the grace of God. I'm asking that Ephesians 3 prayer, just a strengthening by your spirit with power in the inner man, that Christ would dwell in our hearts through faith, that everyone in the room, that we, we would be rooted and grounded in love that together we would grasp the dimensions of your love and that we would be filled up to all the fullness of God in Jesus' name. Any place of strengthening that you are needing this morning uh, or desiring, I'm just gonna invite you to come forward now.